and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. Welcome to episode 23, Going to Kuala Lumpur, part 2. In part 1, our previous podcast, episode 22, we discussed our two weeks in Kuala Lumpur, more from the perspective of long-term travelers and living in the city. And in today's episode, part two, we're going to be discussing Kuala Lumpur more from a tourist perspective and sites to see, things to see and do, as well as discussing our favorite food and travel highlights. Yeah, what do you expect when you're there for a few days or maybe a week? And what's the highlights and how easy it is to get around? What do you expect to, to spend? Um, obviously, normally we have these chats about countries, but today it's a city because Kuala Lumpur does stand out like any major city. Well, I think Kuala Lumpur is quite a tourist destination as well. And because so many flights from Asia go via Kuala Lumpur, there are many people do stopovers there. It's also quite a bustling place that people do go to as just visiting Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, not necessarily spending more time in Malaysia. In our previous discussion, we did the, it was pretty much centered on the idea of can you spend longer in Kuala Lumpur? and whether there's enough advantages to warrant doing so uh, as opposed to maybe some place more exotic. So we just recently spent 14 nights in Kuala Lumpur, two weeks, and that was from the middle of June to the end of June 2019. Now, normally we wouldn't stay so long in a city with just sightseeing in. This time our motivation for going to Kuala Lumpur and spending a bit more time there was different to usual. But it didn't stop us from seeing sites like we would have previously. We've only been to Kuala Lumpur once before, I think. In 2014, we were there for a few days days and we we saw a few things. This time, we were traveling from uh, further east. We came from uh, South Korea and we found a very affordable flight to Kuala Lumpur. And we needed to get a few things done. And Kuala Lumpur seemed like the ideal place to do it. And we also need a place to... just stay a little bit longer after spending about what is it, eight weeks, nine, ten weeks on the road. Yes. Yeah. And it also offered us a nice mix, actually, within that two-week period of relaxing, settling down, spending yeah. some time, getting admin done, as well as doing some sightseeing of some new sites, but also sites that we previously visited in 2014, and which was nice to revisit. I think it's different when you are there for shorter times, like any other destination, you tend to of in a way forced to get from point A to point B and see this and see there and go there and you can see a lot of Kuala Lumpur I think in a few days but it was very nice to be there for longer and do things we didn't get the chance to do last time yes not the at just the top three yes. destination but actually see a little bit more of the no, city like take, take a morning and spend three hours in the KL Eco Forest Park for example yes okay Something, we'll, we'll get into the right. um, the actual to see and do items now. So, we should ended I up say s- where we stayed? Okay, All right. go ahead. So, we looked at, because we've been there before, we sort of knew the general neighborhoods of the city area quite well, but we were looking for a place that ticked a few boxes, something close to transport, so we stayed in the KLCC area, probably about uh, two blocks away from KLCC Park, Petronas mm, Towers, I would say. Very quick walking distance. Right at the Bukit Nana's uh, monorail 
I think it was station, yes. yes. And there was another station, LRT station, just on the road from there. I can't remember the name of the station. Bangjuangi. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it was. Okay. Oh, look on the map. The closest LRT station to Bukitana is Monorail. <laughs> and it was a big building. It was like a suites of some sort, two big giant buildings with, I don't know, 30, 40, 40 floors. I don't even I can't remember. Uh, apartment style and we got through Airbnb and it worked very well for us. Yes, it was fantastic because in the accommodation, in the block, there was also a gym facility mm. as well as a swimming pool and the apartment was fairly spacious and well kitted for a semi longer term stay so that we could cook for ourselves as well. I think if you do stay in KL, it does help to have a place with a swimming pool. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and there's no shortage of places no, with a swimming pool. No. In fact, in general, there's no shortage of accommodation. No. Uh, for shorter stays, obviously, non-self-catering hotels, there is just mm. such a large variety yeah. from backpacker-style to glitzy hotels, yeah. all price yeah. classes. And I think there's a lot of areas which can also be nice areas to stay in. It so depends what you on want, what you, want. And what you experience. Yes. I guess if you want to get a taste for the, the mall environment, the KLCC area can be quite nice. Mm. There's... I mean, oh gosh, it's the Sevilla so right there. There's walkways connecting you to, what's that fancy one there? Uh, the pavilion. pavilion. And of course, there's so much shopping just generally. I mean, not only Kuala Lumpur, didn't we say last time Kuala Lumpur's got like 60 malls or something? I think they've got the absurd. most malls per, City I don't know, per capita ever. or per area or something like it's that. Really the Malaysians crazy. love their malls. But for good reasons, let's be honest, the humidity and the temperatures can be quite overwhelming. So more gives a good uh, escape from the, the general bad weather. It's not just the heat, it's also the wetness. It can rain quite a bit. Yes, and we yeah. know that some crazy yeah. downpours. Sure. <laughs> All right, before we go into the to see and do things, the other thing that is obviously always important to us when we travel is food. And mm. given the history of Malaysia with its multi-ethnic population, there is just such a diverse variety of food available Generally, food will be influenced by Malay, Chinese, Indian, uh, Indonesian, and Bornean. And then they've even got more influences from Thai, Portuguese, Dutch, Arabian, even British. So oh, yeah, no, the look, food is just incredible. I, one thing, look, we can't generalize about Malaysia, but Kuala Lumpur is, is truly uh, multicultural Yes, in many ways. Uh, even though Malaysia is a predominantly Muslim country, in Kuala Lumpur it's very cosmopolitan and you you will struggle to figure out who's from where and and that's actually part of the appeal of the city. Yes, you don't stand out you as don't a feel tourist like you stand because out. there's just so many tourists around firstly and then just the population. Yeah, so diverse, so diverse. population and in a way that's, that's what makes it such an attractive destination this part of Asia because most people understand and speak English Yes, definitely. as a result of it. So just because they're so diverse. It makes it very easy to travel in Malaysia and yeah. particularly in Kuala Lumpur. And I think that's why, why it was one of the reasons what the appeal of Kuala Lumpur was to stay a bit longer. The yeah. fact that people do understand and speak English, English. and you can get things done. And For talk. sure. And even just ordering food. I mean, forget about technicalities and day-to-day -day admin and things like mm. that. But also in ordering food, yeah, you simple. can easily say you do want it spicy or not spicy. Last time we were there in 2014, well, we, we thought ordered we knew. one uh, tandoori <laughs> chicken spicy and one not spicy. And they definitely got those plates mixed up. But so far this time, we've had good luck with food. Yeah. We've had some incredible butter chickens and uh, kandai chicken. Mm some wonderful Indian food. We 
generally tend to go, I think, for the North Indian food. Well, yes, because there's a soft spot for Rudy Kanai. Yes. Definitely. Um, <laughs> undoubtedly. It's like uh, unfortunate evil, but <laughs> we can't help ourselves. Whenever we see good uh, North Indian food, then we've got to try some tandoori. And we don't really eat rice. And no, and I, I think, think that's the, the problem. It's not rice, rice heavy, heavy or Southern Indian influence, Malay influence. It's more rice orientated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's officially the national dish of, of Malaysia is Nasi Lemak. Well, I think it's their breakfast dish of the, I don't know if it's yes. overall, but definitely well, it's, it's very their most popular. traditional breakfast. It's very popular. Nasi Lemak, you get in many forms. Uh, you almost get it in like a takeaway form where they make these little parcels with this rice that's cooked in coconut milk and it's bundled with normally egg and a little bit of cucumber and some some bowl and that's a little complete meal in itself and then depending on times of day i think then you can add more add stuff to it yes little add but you see people like in the mornings we go for a for a jog and you see people early mornings lining up at these places where they've got these prepared little parcels to take with mm. them for the day we don't particularly want rice for breakfast no that's the problem and i think that's also why we probably lean towards the Asian influenced food a lot and when we do go for the Indian food it's more the northern Indian food which got like the, 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 the curries which is just fantastic or like the grilled meats and, and uh, vegetables which is quite nice. And I think the rest of their food is also very there's quite a lot of chicken obviously yes. being a, um, a Muslim country sure. predominantly there is a shortage of pork although you do find pork here Yeah, on the Chinese uh, sides you'll find a neighborhood Chinese restaurant you will find it but most of it is um, chicken based chicken lamb and sometimes mm. beef so they, they're like on. their satay sticks uh, rendang 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 and yes. sambal and then, of course, there's also noodle dishes and plenty of seafood. Mm. And the thing is, we always think Malaysian food, oh, it's going to be spicy. But the diversity of the food means that there's really something for every palate. Mm. It's not only spicy food. It's not every overly chilly, for example. No. The curries are very and mild and, and yet tasty. And different flavors. It's, exactly. There's definitely different flavors. Mm. It's not like what we found in Korea where everything was covered with the same sauce. It feels like it's burning uh, through a the roof of your mouth. There's a lot more variety in mm. Malaysia, I must say. And not only that, but Western food is also very easily available. If you are not as uh, adventurous oh, sure. when it comes to food, you can find a Western no, but they're everywhere. joint or it's hot everywhere. dog or anything yes. everywhere. Actually, we haven't had Western food yet yeah. No, there's absolutely no need. I can't get myself. No. There's a two-for-one burger special down the road from us, and no. I just can't get myself <laughs> to even do that because the rest of the food no. is so good. No, in all fairness, though, we don't eat out every meal because we're long-term travelers. We do try to strike a balance. And if you've been following our podcast, you might know or have watched our videos. We do... We do like trying the, the food we haven't tried yet, but on a day-to-day basis, it becomes old a little bit to take the time to go find food. So when we get a place where we can do it, we'd like to cook ourselves a breakfast at least. Yes. And unless Definitely. we really want to go try something specific or we're out for the day and it means we go past a nice eatery or a food market, then we'll get something and have it at home. Sometimes we make a salad or some vegetables or make our own curry even, something like that. Just to... Just to you mix it up a little bit. And I think in Kuala Lumpur we probably ate out about 50% of the time probably. I would say and mm. the rest of the time we would cook at home like you say make a curry and for that there were fantastic grocery stores sure. and produce was wonderful. We had no problem finding ingredients to no. cook for ourselves. It's not 
it's not really viable to do uh, your own food if you're not there for long enough. No, and it's also a lot cheaper to eat out, actually. Well, if you eat in local yes. eateries, street food, yes. and just the smaller local restaurants. Mm. But, you know, one thing we did notice by going to sort of restaurants in the bottom, no, sorry, restaurants, supermarkets and the bottom stores and the like is that a lot of the times at those delis, you find prepared foods. Oh, yes. There were so many, not food courts, but actually at the supermarket. Yes, where there's really good selection of local foods mm. and, uh, pro- and most really of the time well-priced. even better priced than you'd find mm. at local restaurants. And it's takeaway ready. And that's all the way you to sushi. Up. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. how many of those supermarkets had incredible mm, sushi right, platters sushi. at like, what, Crazy. a couple of ring at a piece or one yes, ring at a piece? Like a ring and, at a piece. Of, yeah. That's uh, really remarkable. So keep that in mind. Don't think you have to go hunt down a market. But look, the food markets are part of this culture of Malaysia, mm. the, the night food markets. And, and you almost food stalls everywhere. For sure. So you got to try a few things and it's cheap enough to really justify. And don't be scared of street food. Mm-hmm. And also different fruits. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're very well known for durian. Oh, fruit, yes. And jackfruit as well, dragon fruits, uh, those kind of tropical Yeah, durian fruits, so. is in season right now. They're in season from, I think, May to August. Yes. I think so. It's coming to the end of, we, we, we're actually in Penang at the moment as we recording this podcast <laughs> and we're right at the end of the durian, uh, the durian season. season but everywhere you look people are selling durian and we're still learning a little bit more about durian the different types of durian but fruit is just phenomenal yeah uh, malaysia is one of the countries also where the fruit the flavor of the fruit is pretty good naturally mm, doesn't so need to be sweet doesn't need to be sweetened it does really have good body flavor i reckon Right, so let's quickly chat about our favorite foods before we head into the sites. Okay. And then once we all hyped oh up boy, on food, food, then crush. we can go and see and do places. This is a tricky one. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm qualified to see what my favorite food is in Malaysia. I haven't been here long no, enough. No, this I is in Kuala everything. Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur. No, this is Kuala Lumpur only. Mm. Your favorite food, savory and sweet. Oh boy. Okay, Kuala Lumpur. Well, <laughs> I, I've got a sneaky suspicion that we might collide on this one. I think we might collide on sweets. I'm not sure if we're going to collide on savory. Really? Well, the best meal I think I've had in Kuala Lumpur was at a local Indian restaurant. Yes. And it was, what was it called? Kandai chicken? Kadai chicken. chicken. Kadai chicken. Okay, we're on the same one. Kadai chicken with obviously a ruti kanai, which was really... It was incredible. So fantastic. The, the kadai chicken was so rich and full of flavor. And it was like a, it was a, a boneless chicken. Yes, boneless chicken pieces. I had the butter so chicken good. and you had the kadai chicken, chicken. But that kadai chicken was just uh, so incredible. Man. The flavors in it we actually were went amazing. Back. We went back to that yes, place. Yes, and we had it again. Just to have that again. I know. And it I wasn't know. a disappointment the well, second time around. No, it was incredible. For, to be fair, we're not uh, like... At the top of our game, so we probably wouldn't recognize <laughs> the best. But that was pretty decent. No, it was it was really really good. Okay, so we agree on our uh, favorite. Really, we we're do. the same one. We agree, and we're definitely going to be the same for our sweet. You reckon? We were just outside of Central Market. Uh, I actually had another one. But oh, I know okay. what you're going to say. Well, just outside of Central Market, we found this little stall with bright green, covered in coconut desserty things we didn't quite know what it was we didn't know what they were Mm. but i'd seen the picture of them before and i just knew this is something we're supposed to try they were called putu bamboo and it's a little steamed cake that's steamed within a bamboo tube it's a a bamboo bamboo. a little piece of bamboo and it's coconut flavored and they also have a sugar cane syrup they put that they it. put inside it it's quite and a, in between it and then they roll it in fresh coconut that's right 
and it was served still warm and oh, it was absolutely incredible very light, light and fluffy and not too tasty. sweet fluffy you do get a different version of that i remember seeing also put to something where they they squeeze that dough through like a extruder to make noodle thing yeah and they make these little balls of that but that puto bumble was really good that was my favorite i'll tell you what I would probably put that high up there, but there's two other things. Let, let, what the hell? Let me put. You would I really like like this and something we probably haven't had in I a have long no time. I have no idea what you're gonna say. Would be pisang goreng. Oh yeah. Which is so unique yes. in a weird way. I know it's not totally unique <laughs> to uh, Kuala Lumpur, but we've had uh, more than one helping. I think definitely of quite a lot. It's such good. a simple thing, and all it is is battered and fried banana. Yes. For those who don't know. But it's a ripe banana and there's a sweetness, a natural mm. sweetness to it. I think they do sweeten the the batter a little bit. I don't think so. The sweetness comes from the banana because it's warm and it's very ripe. Okay. And it's generally that crispiness on the outside. And as you bite into it, it's just this warm sweetness of the banana on the inside. That is really good, I must say. And close second, almost the same. Must be some good. You're going to say, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's apumbalik. Apumbalik. What was that? <laughs> it's a stuffed pancake. So oh, it's not a pancake yes, like we think those. about Western pancakes. <laughs> it's almost waffle-like, mm. but it's not a waffle. You know, it's like a waffly batter, and then normally they make it in circles, and they they fold it closed into a half moon. Or With the, the squishy shape. peanut depending, buttery Depends what you get. You topping. get different versions. Some of them I can't quite stomach. Some of them's got um, mm. corn. Quite cream yes, corn, corn. Cream <laughs> corn and beans inside. I like the one with the peanut. So it's like a peanut butter with a bit of honey or mm. syrup in Oh my goodness. You that, get little guys I, I and big guys. I enjoy them, but oh, that's definitely so not my favorite. And you get the, the coconut ones as well. Yes, and, that yeah. was also very nice. Yes. We had those outside Chinatown. Chinatown. Petling Street in Kuala Lumpur. Right. There was a guy, we, we actually joked because we, we walked through Petling Street, Chinatown. And the initial impression is always if you go through the main street, it's, oh, you're so overwhelmed. All these street vendors and none of them are Chinese. No, and they're all just trying to sell you fake Same handbags. And yeah, so it's a bit of a downer, but if you scratch around the outside, you find the odd guy. And then we the found, one Chinese guy who well, sells... But ironically, he wasn't selling Chinese food, but he was making uh, these little, uh, what was it, coconut pancakes. Tiny as well little, as the peanut ones. Tiny little pa- pancakes that make from coconut flour batter. And then it just tastes like coconut, mm. very fluffy and light, and they're super cheap, like one ring at each or something. Oh, I can't remember even. The, so the nice. funny thing was that we, we joked about it being there, and then we went back and we looked at our photos from 2014, and I found a photo of me eating the exact same pancake in Chinatown. Maybe it was the exact so same place. I want to say it was the same guy. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, so anyway, but there's there's plenty of food to choose from. If you go to Pavilion Mall in Bukit Bintang and you go to the basement level. There is a a food section. It's not a food court. It's restaurant upon restaurant, mm-hmm. but eatery upon stall. You, uh, it, it just stretches for I don't know the hundreds whole of floor meters. It's crazy. It's incredible, and you can. It will take you probably twenty minutes just to walk from one side mm. to the other, and you can try any kind of food from Korean food to. Japanese to anything. Whatever you want. So that's really an amazing place to go check out if you really want to just try a little bit of that type of uh, food or more diverse. But if you want the the real stuff, the more local stuff, you know, go to Little India. 
Go get the Northern Indian food In there. Little India, yes. Go to Chinatown. Go, go to Jalanalore <laughs> Night Market if you want more of the the, the, the night market the food. The night market or seafood. Kind of. I think really there there's mostly seafood. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's true. I would say, or even just the little streets mm. to the outside of that Jalanalore street, you'll yeah. find so many small little local restaurants which yeah. are well worth visiting. Jalanalore is uh, sort of uh, just off the main drag of Bukit Bintang. It's probably the best known night market of sort of in the center of Kuala Lumpur. It is very touristy. It is very touristy, but it's definitely one of the must-see places mm. if you are visiting Kuala Lumpur. And it's not crazy priced, generally no. speaking. It's just a little bit too busy and too loud mm. and too for my liking, personally. We try and avoid it because I think you can walk a block either direction, any direction, you'll find exactly the same vibe. food in a local eatery, mm. which is going to be probably better. I agree, honest. but I always enjoy walking through there. So my tip would be, if you do go to a night market or to a restaurant, pick a restaurant who specializes in a small number of dishes. So I agree. Look for a place that's, that only does, uh, say, these six noodle dishes or just northern indian food or, or southern indian. indian food or just malaysian food mm. that that's the key do not set foot in a restaurant that's got a menu as thick as encyclopedia <laughs> and can give you anything from fried calamari to pizza and to, try and look for locals also yes. if locals are sitting eating there then you know the place is probably pretty decent Absolutely. and fresh and the food moves for sure Look, um, food is generally well priced if you stay out of the top end restaurants because mm. in our experience, uh, we generally stay out of restaurants like real, real restaurants. Real restaurants. <laughs> where you get where you get cutlery. Where, well, real if you restaurants. get cutlery, you're in the wrong place. If you're eating off a real plate, you're in trouble. No, we stay out of real restaurants. It's just not worth it. You know, you go into a place and you order a cup of coffee. You know, that's nice to have a proper uh, cappuccino, but it's going to cost. It's mm. going to cost the same as two plates of food. Mm -mm. No, if it's you think about it. And the same goes for alcohol. Alcohol is expensive. You can have some really nice... One beer will cost also double two plates of food. for your food, yes. Uh, for sure. So drinks more than doubles your mm. cost, firstly. So for us who do watch our budget and our waistlines, <laughs> we try to avoid uh, those kind of things. But explore a bit, I would say. All right, great. So now we'll go on to a little bit of a list of must-see oh places. Oh my goodness, that's going to be a we, list. It's a, quite a long list because there's actually quite a lot to see and do in Kuala Lumpur. So we won't go into incredible detail no, on all don't. of that. No, please don't. But I have to just have a few words on the Patronus Twin Towers to start off with. Yep. The most iconic building on the skyline of Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur specifically they were the tallest buildings from 1998 to 2004 before they were taken over by Taipei 101. And they still very smartly planned remain the tallest twin towers in the world. Mm. Now, what's fantastic about the twin towers is that you can just walk around them and enjoy the beauty of them, as well as the fact that there's the whole KLCC park in the vicinity where you can spend some time walking around the park, sitting, having a picnic. You can watch what's those, the fountains over there that mm. come alive at night with music and light displays. The KLCC Park has been very well designed to provide sort of a green space inside the city, which is accessible not only for people to exercise, there's also sort of recreational areas. So there's a pool for kids to splash mm, around in. Park. And there's lots of spots just to chill out and have a picnic. There's also, did you say there's a very big uh, sort of fountain? Yes. I think it's 10,000 square meter water Yeah, fountain. and the highest fountain square is 180 meters. meters high. And at night the fountain display lights up, so it's really quite cool. And it's, it's um, 
I suppose the, the nicest thing about it is sort of attached to that KLCC mall area. Yeah, the Surreal Mall. So you could pop out there and get a bit of a vibe of the greenness of the park. And if the heat gets to you, it starts raining, you duck into the mall. To and the go, air conditioning. <laughs> and go for a ice cream <laughs> or something. Yes, yeah, so you can go to the food court there. You can walk around. They've got every shop mm. that you can imagine in terms of mm. brands and fashion. And also functional shops and supermarkets. Yeah. And I mean, the Patronus Towers are great. You can go into the towers, you can go up the towers to get that experience, walk across the walkway, or you can just enjoy them for free from the outside. Absolutely. It is sad that they share, or I think they've sort of been eclipsed a little bit as the tallest building in KL. Yes, they have. Yeah, there's that new, what's that? I can't remember. We call it the pineapple, but I'm not sure. It's (laughs) It's a building that looks like a pineapple. It's a tall building. But uh, it's still super iconic, and it's just such a stunning building. And you, you obviously would want to see that from the best possible place. And the best possible place to see the Petronas Tower from, ironically, is not by going into and up the Petronas Tower. No, Towers. I would actually say, I mean, I know there's a million rooftop bars and things like that, but I personally actually think seeing them from the KLCC Park in the day and through sunsets, just as they light up into the evening, is the most beautiful place because you're close up to them, Mm. but you're far enough away to get the full perspective of them. You'll see, if you you guys are new to this uh, podcast, uh, we also do a a YouTube channel, so you can go to realnomad.com and follow the links to YouTube. There's a video coming out this week. Uh, What week are we now? (laughs) So somewhere middle... July, uh, of us visiting the KLCC Park with some time lapses of the front and the back uh, as, it, as it's dark with the fountains, so it's quite nice to see. But anyway, the best place to see the towers is, apart from the park, oh, okay. is to go to the KL Tower. Yes, the KL no. Tower, which is a communication tower yes. primarily, but it's also turned into a bit of a tourist attraction. For sure. And that was last time we were there in 2014. We went up the KL mm, Tower to the observation sunset. deck there for sunset. That's right. So in my opinion, in our opinion, I think it gives you the most uh, uninterrupted view. I prefer view. being closer to the towers. I would choose the KLCC Tower. Yes, what I mean park, is, but yes, as if you want an deck, elevated yes. perspective of the Twin Towers, that's yes. the best place to do it from. You go to the KL Tower. It's pretty pricey, I think, to go up there. It's mm-hmm. called the Menorah. Menorah Kale Tower. And there's a few other things you can do in that area if you're there. But I would say the best is to go there late afternoon and try and catch it at sunset. And you can even stay after dark. I think we were there after dark as Mm. well. And it was really quite nice. I think you get different tickets. You can either go up for one entry or multiple entries if you want to go during the day and later at night. So the Kale Tower is... It's not quite walking distance from KLCC Petronas. But you can if you want to. But easiest is to get a grab. There are some buses that run, but they don't really go super close to the KL Tower, if I remember correctly. The other thing around the KL Tower, so that's obviously a paid site to be able to go up to the Mm. observation deck, but you can also just view the KL Tower from the bottom for free. Sure. But more importantly, or impressively, is that little area around the KL Tower is the KL Forest Eco Park. Yes. And that is free entry. That's a, a slice of the original jungle that's been preserved incredibly well. So you can spend as much time as you like. And there's actually quite a few hiking routes mm. inside there. And not, some of them can be quite strenuous, to be perfectly honest. Well, there's not only the hiking routes, I mean, through different parts of the forest, which they tell you about and the information. There's even the elevated skywalk. Oh, yes, of course. There's so a there's treetop uh, canopy. How many of those? I'm not sure. There there's, were a lot. There were 
five suspension, suspension bridges yes. through the jungle. And that's, so that's very nice. Uh, yes, obviously, uh, entry to the park is free, so you can do all the hiking trails. To, uh, just avail yourself of where you where you can access the park from. Not all the points on the map is actually open always, and there's even a campsite inside that park. Oh wow! Okay. So I you didn't can. Know that. I mean, I would. I advise you to bring lots of anti-mosquito spray. I was going to say, it's free, but <laughs> take your money you would have spent on entry fee and spend it on mosquito and repellent. And wrap yourself in mosquito repellent because they will eat you alive. They'll first carry you away. They'll, they'll get a team together and carry you into the trees. It's, That's it's, incredible. I think the eco-park is also it's one of those places you're not going to see in 10 minutes. No. So if you're on a very short time schedule, you might not get there. But if you have some time in Kuala Lumpur, I would definitely say it's worthwhile visiting the eco-park. Mm. I really enjoyed it. And particularly if you do like walking over suspension mm. bridges, I think even more so you will enjoy it. Well, to be fair, if you go to the Menorah Kale Tower, you can actually from just down the road there, it's like 100 meters from mm. there. You can access the park and then take the shortest route to the, f the entrance, the main entrance, which will take you over, over the, the suspension. And you can probably do that in 15 to 20 minutes That's if you true. really want to. Yes, if you're at the tower and you've got an extra half an hour, that won't go give you, through the park. They won't show you the best of the forest, no. but it'll give you a little bit of a taste of it. Mm. And it's quite amazing as you venture deeper into the forest how isolated you feel yes you hear the traffic noise far in the distance but suddenly you don't see a building and you hear it's all the birds incredible. and um, bugs yeah, uh, in yeah. the insects in the so, forest it really feels cool. foresty all right so i think the next um site that's probably in my opinion must be on your list Absolutely. is the batu caves uh, that's one of the places that is a little bit out of the city unfortunately so you must put a bit of effort if you drive there it's quite quick to get there you can get a taxi or uber i think or you can do what we did we jumped onto the kale uh, commuter train takes about 25 minutes i think mm. and super cheap because two two ring at 80 each way i think it, if i remember correctly that'll take you from kale central to bar to caves and it's just, like you said, it's fairly quick, except that the trains only are run not every five minutes, only every half an yeah, hour. Depending on the time of the day. And the Bato Caves is a uh, limestone cave system that serves as a shrine, yes. a temple, effectively. So there's, a, there's some huge uh, figurines. And big statues on the outside. Statues. And you have to walk up, I think it's like 270 mm. plus stairs to get into the main cave, which is all open and free to the public to be able to visit. Yes. You just need to be respectful and dress accordingly. Dress, dress appropriately, of There course. are also further caves which you can explore at a small fee. That's right. But the main cave is free and I was actually really looking forward to going back there after yeah. having been there in 2014. And even the second time around, it is just such an impressive site. It is very cool. In terms of the nature cool. and how ornately beautiful it is. If you're there, uh, now this is a pilgrimage site. So the certain times a year people go there and they absolute thousands. I think it's one of the largest Hindu pilgrimage sites in the world, yes, outside India. I anyway. think so. Yes. So that's uh, definitely high on the list. Definitely got to put that, I would say, as one of your yeah. top three. It takes a bit of to time see. to get out there and get back. So if you're really pressed for time, I would say get a, get a car or get a Grab. If you don't know, Grab is like Uber. Uber has partnered with Grab in uh, Malaysia. So Grab is the go-to Uber substitute, I would say. So if you're used to Uber, just download the Grab app and you'll use it exactly the same way. All right, then we already mentioned Jalanalor Street Food Market and yes. the surrounding eateries over there, so we won't go into more detail in that. 
If you're looking for something specific in terms of electronics, right near Jalan Alor street food market is the Lo Yat Plaza. And that is the place to buy any electronics in Kuala Lumpur. There are one or two other electronic malls that are further out, but really Lo Yat Plaza, you will find what you're looking for. Probably. And at fairly decent prices. Prices do vary within the mall. Apparently it's cheaper as you go higher up and it's more expensive on the yeah, lower Lisa floors. Yeah, Lisa always says this, but the thing <laughs> is the floors are actually grouped. So the, the levels are per... Photography, service. cell phones, so, yes. um, so you'll find the, the first level are sort of the big brands, more like sort of the show, showrooms. And then as you go up, you'll get to the, okay, these guys only do cell phones. And then the next guys do laptops, etc. And then right at the top, you get the service orientated mm. centers. But it is quite cool. We, we spend, you can spend a day there. <laughs> We've spent far too much it depends, time there. It definitely depends on your patience and your wallet. But <laughs> we spent quite a bit of time there. I actually, one of the reasons we went to KL, I want to have my laptop screen replaced. And I knew you could go to a place like Low Yacht. Ironically, we went there and I walked away without having it done, but that's a different story. I went to a, another mall close to, close to where we stayed and I had that done too. But you can literally walk in there with your gadget on your arm and walk out an hour later and the job done. Or you can just buy whatever you want. It's incredible. And the advantage is, even though it's Asia, you don't get, uh, you get international brands there. Mm. So it's, uh, it's, you get international warranties on your products and it's not like this, it's an Asian version. So you get English International, international products. Lo Yat is very conveniently positioned in the Bukit Bintang shopping area as well. Yes, and if you want to do a lot of comparisons in a very small area, that's the place mm. to do it. And, and they also have a food court down Yeah, the I wanted to say, don't forget, that's actually a thing mm. not, not a lot of people know. If you go down right to the basement, there's a very funky little food court where you can try quite a few things, which is quite popular. And what's nice is it's air-conditioned. So yes. if you were going to Jalan Alor Street and it's just too hot or something like that, or it's in the middle of the day, then that little food court down at the bottom of Loya. Well, what, I would, what I would suggest is if you have a time and you want to explore sort of Bukit Bintang, you know, go early to Loyat and have a snack there at the bottom of the food court and then you go to a pavilion maybe and see a bit more of Bukit Bintang shopping street. Well, that's, that's the next, is that yes. Bukit Bintang shopping, shopping street, street is, oh, it's very famous and it's just lined with shops leading up from pavilion. The, from, well, to the pavilion Absolutely. from Bukit Bintang. And then you sort of end your day late afternoon, early evening in Jalan Alor. Food mm. market, you have a meal to eat there. Uh, because the place really does come alive at night, I would say. And of course, due to the heat, it is a little bit better to be outside when it's later. Okay, so uh, speaking of trips outside, so, okay, wait. So yeah, here's a good tip, hold on. Shopping, I mean, the pavilion is the second. Second to Surya KLCC, pavilion is the biggest shopping mall. Oh gosh, I, I don't know if I can speak with any authority which one's the biggest, but <laughs> pavilion can get quite busy in the afternoons and, and it's huge. And it's quite hip and happening mm. and the funky place to be. There's a cool uh, tourist the, what are they called? Tourist card or Pro, something? Tourist privilege card. Tourist card you can get at Pavilion. Yes. So you can uh, sign up for that and that gives you quite nice discounts on a lot of the, a lot of the stores. Versions. So it might be worth looking into. Right. So what I was saying is jumping back to other sites to see. If you're on your way to Barter Caves. Yes. Okay. And you take the train. You have to depart from KL Central. Ah. Now, if you have time, KL Central itself is quite it's actually got a mall attached to it which is quite worth cruising but if you get out of that area right next to KL Central is a little neighborhood called Brickfields and that's sort of developed into what's known as Little India 
And that's definitely worse. You have to, generally, you have to do a change over at that station anyway. Yes. So you might just as well exit the station and go and check it out. So that's, uh, interestingly enough, uh, quite uh, surprising how different it is to other parts of KL. Best time would be there to go late afternoons or evenings. Then that space really comes alive. A lot of local eateries. And obviously, if you want some typical Indian... Like I think yes, spices or fabrics material fabrics, materials, yes. that's and spices, you can go there as well. But that would might but definitely be worth it. Primarily going. to go and have some food there. Mm. I, would I don't say. think I'll go there especially personally unless no. I want to go see that space. It's actually a quite a small area. It's a small area to walk around and you do really get that little Indian feel. Yes. But there's not it's not a particular site like no. there's something specific no. to see and do. It's just to experience that. There's a bit of a vibe there. And and the other side of the city the well-known spot to go to, which is called Little China or Chinatown, is in the Petaling Street area. I think we spoke about and it And I think earlier. that's quite high up on most lists of things to yes. see and do. But in my opinion, also, I would, if I had limited time, I would skip that one because it doesn't really, to me, have that much of an authentic Chinese mm. feel. Unless you're in the market for a Gucci handbag or <laughs> a watch or some knockoff, clothing okay well let's you gotta look past that though and you know what happened is that Petling street itself which is actually an undercover section of chinatown has developed into a bit of a hawker area so there's like really silly tourist style shops lining it and then in the center of the road it's not really a road anymore mm. it's mostly hawker style vendors who like Lisa, like you say sells that, that's what it is if you're looking stuff. for that that's the perfect place to no, go but the I variety bother. is crazy yeah. but but the truth is, if you just look at the surrounding side streets, mm. there's a lot more authenticity. Yes. You can go into those side streets, and a lot of them are undercover. There's sort of wet markets and there. And wet markets and food And stores. guys running their own little restaurants. There's butcheries. There's vegetable sellers. So if you want a little bit more of that vibe. Just explore a little that bit neighborhood, further. Yes. But mm. the Petling Street itself, frankly, is not a highlight. For mm. me either, I think we agree on that. Yeah, I agree. And I think for me this time also one of the other disappointments in a way slightly was central market area. Well, well, well hold on. Because, like you say, it depends on why you go there. Yes. If okay. you're looking for touristy trinkets and things like that, then I think central market is fantastic. What's nice about the central market area is that it's an air-conditioned... There's still lots of clothing and fabric and... Which is not really just touristy stuff. There's a lot of history at Central Market. Now, just before we go into that, you can actually walk from Petaling Street to Central Market yes. if you if you really want to. Uh, it's really not that far. There's sort of this triangle there which you can do, where if you are from uh, what's it, Merdeka Square to Central Market onto no, Petaling Street. Really close yeah. to. And each we think other. fairly close this is to the each thing. other. Uh, you will probably be in the area of Central Market, and it's worth popping into. But it's not what you would expect. Well, what, I think Central Market, Asian style, I expect something a lot more rough and ready. Where Central Market is this air-conditioned building where it, the history of it has been restored. But it's beautifully nice and neat and air-conditioned and it's very comfortable. modern. It's yeah, very comfortable. comfortable. It's not an Asian But it is, uh, what, market. 100 and odd, 20, 30 years old, Yes, eh? the building. Yeah, the, the market. Oh, the market, yes. Mm. And yes, obviously, and there's also a nice food food court there. By there the way. is also a very nice food court. Uh, yes, it's air conditioned, but and I agree, sure, there's lots of touristy style shops, but you can still find a lot of old school, mostly clothing, fabric, 
those kind of things. And there. also there are arts and crafts. So yes. there's quite a lot of, it's, it's pushing the artists there. So yes. you'll find people doing sketches, you'll find some batik yes. making and things like that, which yeah. is quite nice. More the creative side yeah. of things. Absolutely. And um, as we mentioned, it's literally a block away from Merdeka Square. Square. So you, you follow the, I think, the river. And sorry, Merdeka Square is the Independence Square. Yes. That is where the Malaysian flag was raised for the first time yes. in something in the fifties, nineteen fifty something. Seventeen fifty two? Nineteen fifty. No, not seventeen. Nineteen fifty. Something nineteen fifties. Well, interestingly enough, nowadays the square is a public square. It used to belong to a cricket club. But there's a, a flagpole, it's the tallest flagpole in the 95 world. 95 meters yeah. high. Which, and it's got an incredibly big cool. Malaysian flag yeah. flying. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. There's much to see there, but there's a historical significance to the site. And uh, interestingly enough, below Merdeka Square is a mall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. And then in walking distance is the central market. And also what you'll view from Merdeka Square is probably the place where you can get the best view of the... Sultan Abdul Samad building, yeah, beautiful which building. is the most beautiful building, I think, in Kuala Lumpur. It's apart ancient, from apart from low <laughs> building. And you can walk all the way around that building in the gardens, which is really pretty. And you can even then go from there over a little bridge to see the Sultan Abdul Samad Jamek Mosque. The Jamek, yeah, right? the Jamek Mosque is uh, well known because the oldest uh, mosque in Kuala Lumpur. It's not grandesque in itself. But it's quite significantly placed sort of at a confluence of, of two, two rivers, rivers, I think. Yes. So if you're at the back of the Sultan Abdul Samad building. building and you look up the riverway, you can see sort of the entrance to the it, mosque. It, it looks like nice. the mosque is actually sitting on an island yes. in the middle of the river. Yes. And that's really beautiful because it, the mosque, the significance of it was that it actually joined the two communities. You used to, there used to be a mosque on either side of the uh, river. And they built this mosque and it sort, of, sort of joined the communities. And I actually want to say it's nicer from the outside to just get that mm. perspective of it. Mm. And quite pretty. Like it's I quite said, pretty it's from the outside. It's really plain on the inside, but yeah. they're very friendly and they'll give you a cloak to put on if you're not dressed suitably. Yeah. Lots of people around you answer some questions if you have and see the place a bit close up. So I think those are a few of the things are, that are very yeah, central and historical significance mm. within Kuala Lumpur. And then, of course, the other thing that you really have to do when you're there okay, is... Okay, wait, wait. This is not... Yeah, I know where you're going with this. It's an alternative to going up KL Tower to see the Petronas Towers. Well, it's an alternative or in addition. Okay. I think it's an experience which is just so Kuala Lumpurian. It is I don't very, know if that's a word. But no, I don't it, think so. It's, it's one of those things that is... There's <laughs> no such a word. Oh, maybe if, it is. If you look on Instagram and you go Kuala hashtag Lumpurian. Kuala Lumpur, you're going to find pictures of this, okay. no doubt. Okay, so go and visit a rooftop bar. Yes, rooftop bar. Number one. We chose to visit the Heli Lounge bar, which yes. is an active helicopter landing pad on the top of a building during yes. the day. And at, after 6 p.m., you can they the, open the bar. Pad. You can just buy a drink. The cheapest drink was 30 ringgit, which was quite expensive for a very small beer, but so it's still cheap to get a good view of the city. They have, yes, the helipad I think is not the worst choice. I wouldn't go there for the drinks. No. There are a few other roofs, supposedly rooftop bars, but the view is pretty good. Helipad, uh, there's always a bar in the restaurant there. After six, the helipad itself becomes, becomes available. Open. The drinks, you need a drink to get access to it. Supposedly it's happy hour from 6 to 9 p.m. <laughs> 
and after nine i think you need to reserve a table and then there's a dress code as mm. well and also minimum spend so it can be a bit pricey in my opinion but for a nice sundowner that could be a great spot yeah. i wouldn't say it's the best place to view the patronus no. towers because they're actually slightly obscured with other buildings by their own third building but by their own third building and yes. some other buildings but i would KL say Tower. it gives a very mm. different perspective because there aren't really barricades around the edge of the building. You yes. feel like you're on top of the world. You really feel like you're just standing on top of a building. That's and true. I quite like that about it. That's true. No, I, I enjoyed that experience. Mm. That, was, that was nice. As the beer wasn't so bad. <laughs> maybe I just chose a bad beer. Or I don't maybe know. I'm just a cheapskate. But well, I think I would they have were stayed... tiny and definitely watered down. No, I don't think you can say yeah. that, but uh, either way. And then second to that is a rooftop swimming pool. We didn't have a rooftop swimming pool on no. our building, but many of the buildings do. It's quite popular and, and common in Kuala Lumpur. also quite nice to be able to have a swim, whether it be during the day or at sunset, right on the top and looking out over the city. It can city. be a bit hot though. I must say, I was quite happy that our rooftop pool wasn't pool shade. a shade a lot mm, of the true. day. But it can give you spectacular views. There's quite a lot of pools with sort of rimless mm. views over the city. All right, so now we're going to get to each of our trip highlights and standout experiences. Oh no. What was your Must highlight? Yes, now you have to pick. What was your highlight of our trip, our time, this two weeks that we spent in Kuala Lumpur? Okay. And I'm going to say what I think yours should be. Oh, spending four <laughs> hours in Plaza Loyat. Well, close. I was <laughs> after we spent four hours in Plaza Yola yeah. without the success of getting your computer screen replaced. Yeah. The highlights of your trip should definitely be when you did get your computer screen replaced. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> All but right. that's completely that's un not, Kuala that's, Lumpur that's travel not, That's not. That's conducting your travel, unfortunately. I actually want to say that this time around, it's a love-hate choice because I really like the experience. I like what it was, but the fact that I feel slightly ripped off, makes distracts from it a little okay, bit. Okay, we're gonna have the same highlights. And that was the rooftop bar experience Sunset at the Halley Lounge. The Lounge. It really is a beautiful spot, and it really gives a very cool feel and atmosphere. Mm. But like I said, I, I I felt like maybe the drink wasn't great. I feel and like I, felt it was I don't. Overly expensive. Well, this is I don't think it's a problem having to buy a drink to get up there and have the view. I even think that if you want to charge thirty, ring it as a drink. That's fine, but like you say, don't say it's a, a draft that's a and it's a happy price. hour and then it's such a small beer. And it's a happy hour price. Yes. After happy hour, your beers are even we more Double that. Yes. So, but don't let that put you But it was a fantastic experience and yes. I really enjoyed it. That's definitely the highlight of my time there. You can see on our YouTube channel, there was a video where we ended the day there on top of the Heli Lounge. You, and you can a see the sunset from there and you can see our tiny beers. So is your choice the same? My choice is the same. Oh, that was this definitely is a the boring discussion. Of our, highlight of our trip. I guess uh, <laughs> there's a reason why we've been married for 16 years. Oh, no, how long? Oh, sorry, 16? Good grief. Is that how long it feels to you? <laughs> okay. We've only been married for when we can, uh, 11 years. 11 years. <laughs> All right. Well, Next we'll question. Put an extra five years on that. The next one is our most beautiful site. Oh boy. In the city. In the city? Well, sites, sites the city. I voted, I, I voted the Baltic Caves. That's not fair. You're oh, don't tell me. This is ridiculous. Okay, I'll choose something else. No, no, I think the Baltic Caves stands out for me. 
Okay, this well... This is so spectacular. That see. was actually, to be honest, that was my nature. So we're supposed to have a site and a nature. Okay. That was my... I put that under nature because the cave itself is a natural it is true. cave. You and the limestone I, formation of it was makes it so... That is incredible. ...beautiful. And I love the monkeys there. And you love the monkeys. So <laughs> in my opinion, that was the best in terms of nature. My city site was predictably Petronas Towers. Oh, do you uh, have a city site as well? Is that the same question? Or it, it was a dual question. Oh. So you're supposed to have a city site as well as okay, your best no, nature. I just want. And my city site will always be the Petronas Towers. I really enjoy just spending time in the KLCC Park area mm. and looking up at those towers and watching them light up at night. You're such a building nerd. And <laughs> yeah, in case you don't know, Lisa's a, a structural engineer, so she's got a bit of a fetish for buildings. For beautiful buildings and mm. tall buildings. But that, <laughs> that was a pause life uh, but i can still appreciate yeah, the good course, and beautiful building and i think something that was also done very smartly because even no longer being the tallest building there's still a uniqueness about it and something that makes it no they absolutely incredible so i must say our spending two weeks in kuala lumpur this time wait was... i i i you i never said what my most beautiful nature site was oh oh sorry i thought you said you didn't have no, one no i you think did pick one. i think the fact that you can in the middle of the city, going to a part of the jungle, yeah. really is special. That's true. And I'm referring to the KL Forest Eco Park. And mm. you know what? We walked there for times where you don't see people. Mm. We felt alone in the you jungle. feel alone in that jungle. Mm. And that's really quite amazing. Oh, I agree about with it. you. You're in a distance, you saw your traffic, like I said. But it's just such an incredible spot. And I think it's a bit of a hidden gem. I mean, mm. last time we were there, we were right at the tower. Yeah, we did. And I know. don't know if we knew or didn't know or there wasn't time. Did, but I, don't know. I really don't think that many tourists actually visit the eco park. No. And it really is quite a hidden gem. Yeah. I would just say try and go very early in the morning or late afternoons. Because it so does get hot. Because it gets very humid in the park. Maybe late afternoons better, depending on the time of the year. And then you can finish maybe at the kale tower mm, for, sunset. Uh, for a drink and a sunset and get a cool down but yeah i think uh kale kuala lumpur is a definite worthwhile stop and after our previous discussion whether kuala lumpur is suitable for long-term stay i think we we sort of both got a new appreciation for the city absolutely and i think particularly even just going back as a second time as a tourist i was in two minds as to are we going there? We want to visit these sites again because we wanted to do updated videos for our YouTube channel. What would it be like visiting a tourist site that you've again. already been to again? Mm. And I can honestly say that not one of them was a disappointment. No. To me, it was as exciting being at the Batu Caves for the second time as it was the first time, being around the Petronas Towers and discovering the forest. Is it a different if you Tower? sort of know what to expect to a certain extent? But there's also a nice aspect of it. I mean, next time we go to Kuala Lumpur, we'll probably won't go to some of these sites we've just mentioned, which we well, revisited. I want to go back to the forest because I want to walk over the suspension bridges without, without having crying. a fear in your eyes, <laughs> panic-stricken horror. You can see that in our video. Oh yes, there's a video on that as well. <laughs> of Andre dragging me across I think the, that's the, the video suspension bridge that ends at sunset. At the, yeah, at sunset on the Halley Lounge, that's right. Yeah. So all in all, I must say, Kuala Lumpur, not our first time there, 
but and definitely not our last time either. definitely not our last time and it was a very good visit if you've got a chance visit kuala lumpur and let us know what you think yep uh, and if we've left out any sites or you know of any secret spots in kuala lumpur please drop us a note yep because we will be going back oh we'll be going back so we're looking for some tips from locals for sure spend some time there all right well thanks, thanks for, listening. for listening and we'll Catch chat you to you next, next time destination.